Good evening, everybody. It's the Diabolical Hater, formerly known as IBS Easy. Sorry, I, the name changes. Uh, <laughs> it's even hard for me to come in, around to at times. But yeah, I had to shed the IBS Easy's name uh, due to the Twitter battle between Amber Rose and my favorite rapper, formerly known as IBS Easy, or formerly known as Jesus. So I am now the Diabolical Hater, and this is IBS After Dark, the week of April 3rd. I'm going to touch on a couple subjects that we've already talked about. We'll start with D'Angelo Russell and the Nick Young saga. Uh, If you guys aren't familiar with the situation, um, it's been all over the sports media pages and blogs and probably got uh, some airtime on um, ESPN as well. D'Angelo Russell, the rookie from Ohio State, uh, his teammates with Nick Young on the Los Angeles Lakers. They were hanging out one day. D'Angelo recorded him admitting to cheating on Iggy, and somehow the video got out to the public, and um, there's just obviously Iggy didn't take it take it with a laugh. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of Nick Young's situation uh, with Iggy right now. I think they were engaged in that. Uh, been called off, but uh, D'Angelo's been getting a lot of heat um, from social media, from reporters, from former players, from everybody. Um, given the situation, Nick Young obviously wasn't aware that he was being recorded, and if he was aware that he was being recorded, he was probably not cool with the fact that it got out. So there's been rumors that an Instagram model that D'Angelo was seeing um, was the one who exposed it. Uh, there's also um, a rumor that D'Angelo put it on Snapchat and he didn't think anybody else would see it. Uh, his phone was hacked, et cetera, et cetera. But the the great debate going on right now is whether or not this is morally acceptable. So what I've noticed is on Facebook, D'Angelo is a snitch. Uh, if I see him in the streets, I'm taking him out. You know, on site, he's catching it. On Twitter... It seems to be a little bit more support, actually, uh, for D'Angelo. Um, a lot of people are rallying behind him and saying that, you know, he did the right thing. He exposed the cheater. You shouldn't be mad at Nick Young. Uh, you shouldn't be mad at D'Angelo. You should be mad at Nick Young. My take is, mind your business. It has nothing to do with you. Um, I can't think of any any situation, really, where you're recording somebody that's not aware that they're being recorded, and that's Cool. That's not even acceptable in the court of law. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Byron Scott's been asked about it. Um, I know everybody has an opinion. I'm not 100% sure what I would do in that situation. I just probably wouldn't put myself in that situation, which is probably what Nick Young should have done. He should have just not cheated. And if he did cheat, he shouldn't have admitted it to anybody. He should have just kept it to himself. But um, Byron Scott more or less... Um, implied that had it been in a different era, uh, Nick Young probably would have gave D'Angelo the hand. D'Angelo's response to people asking him if he was worried about it getting physical was more or less, if you feel like you need to swing, swing, and we just don't have to have it out. So um, there were rumors that the Lakers' uh, brass was a little uncomfortable. Uh, They were wondering if Nick Young might, you know, it might get physical, the locker room's divided, this and that. Unfortunately, we don't have a sound bite from Kobe, which I'm very disappointed in. 
But um, I was able to actually get an excerpt from the video um, that D'Angelo posted, so you guys will bear with me. I am just now learning how to uh, upload soundbite. So this is the soundbite from the video. There you have it, people. That's pretty much how the conversation went. Nick got caught cheating, and he was explaining the situation to D'Angelo, <clears throat> and somehow the video got out. <laughs> but um, I'm sure this will keep coming up. I don't think D'Angelo is going to get off that easy. And I know one of the things that's been the topic uh, in the media, even in some of our uh, chats on uh, IBS, is whether or not people are, you know, if they're giving Kobe a pass because of his uh, more or less snitching on Shaq back when he had his situation, I just think it's just the era that we live in. Social media just drives everything. It's it's so it's just so powerful. And the fact that guys like D'Angelo, he has a Twitter handle. You know, he's he's young. He's probably active on social media as well. As a matter of fact, I think he um he tweeted something about being being real or, or something like that. Even rappers are jumping in now. You got guys like, uh, I think Cassidy said something. Um, a couple other guys have taken it upon themselves to say something uh, as well via Twitter or, if, if so, via lyrics. But either way, social media just connects people um, at such a great rate. It's going to be hard for something like this to just blow over. Had Kobe said what he said, uh, in like 2015 or 16, it probably would have been 30 times worse than what it is now. Now you just have a borderline low-definition video circulating um, with Kobe talking to uh, a couple of anchors on ESPN about it, and I mean it doesn't it doesn't look good, but it's not the same it's not the same reaction now. People are more or less going to give Kobe a pass because of where he stands. I mean this is this is a rookie. Now Nick Young's not. Um, top 10 player, he's a, probably a top 10 entertainer, but um, I don't think he was getting that many minutes to begin with on the Lakers, and that team's just in shambles anyway. In all honesty, on the list of things that the Lakers probably are worried about, this is probably at the bottom of their list right now. So uh, there's reports that Nick Young will be traded or um, released. People are still not sure what's going on with that, but either way, I don't think the Lakers care. They're going to pick Russell over Nick Young anyway. Now, whether or not this affects the team chemistry with his other teammates or future teammates uh, will be yet, you know, be determined. But I'm sure it'll keep coming up, um, even though the season's winding down. There'll be more memes, and um, he'll be labeled a snitch. Who knows? Maybe one day Nick Young might come around and want to swing on him for real. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Um, and whether or not you think he's a hero or a villain, um, if you guys want to start a thread on that, that's fine. Um, I would I would think that would be cool, actually, if somebody did start a thread on that. But I think the consensus in, um, in IBS is that he's a snitch. Welcome at any cookout that we have. We'll leave it at that. Uh, switching over to the NCAA, 
Whew. I don't know if you guys caught that game yesterday. Um, let's just say Villanova came to play and Oklahoma just came to, I don't know, participate, I guess. But they beat the brakes off of Oklahoma. I mean, destroyed them. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a degenerate man, and I, and I was all for Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill has, has dominated college basketball, especially in this um, NCAA tournament. And he's pretty much smacked around every team that I've, I've kind of taken or, or taken a liking to uh, in the tournament. And I know I know Oklahoma can score. I've I've actually been following Villanova since the very first game that they've had, and I know they're a good team. But I I just couldn't possibly expect a team to get beat so bad that I wanted to turn it off. Like I was looking at it, and it, it looked like UConn's women was playing in the NCAA men's tournament. That's exactly how every UConn's women's game looked. Honestly, like they just come out and they just smack you around. And people are like, oh, this is the number three offense in the nation or the number two defense in the nation. Yeah, well, UConn takes your two and three and just obliterates it. So uh, my hat's off to Villanova, Nova, man. Jay Wright, Jay, Jay Wright, you got the juice right now, man. I'm not I'm not messing with you. I'm not going to slander your team. I just, I just, so cut. There you go. You, you just destroyed all my bets for that week. Um, I will say that um, interesting to see somebody like Buddy Hill take a loss like that, uh, considering how I'm pretty I'm pretty sure a lot of us expected more out of him. Um, and you know we're very critical of uh, of star players in in very uh, small sample sizes. So Buddy, pretty much he had a great year. He really did. He probably should have been. Uh, I think he should have easily been the uh, player of the year. Um, over, I think, Valentine won that. But I think he should have easily been player of the year over that. And if you don't think so, you, you're going to have to respect the fact that he was definitely a top three player in the nation. So with that in mind, this had to be the worst game I've seen him play this year. And I'm not sure if it was the location, because I know that came up in um, a lot of conversations uh, with analysts beforehand, if it was the moment or if it was just Villanova was really that good. And I know there there is some X's and O's involved in that, um, that Jay Wright and, and Villanova executed real well on the defensive end by making Buddy do things that he wasn't normally comfortable with doing and uh, not allowing Oklahoma to get out and run on breaks and stuff. But when you shoot pretty much 70%, it's not much a, a team can do. Like, if you think about it, a lot of fast breaks are – taking place because guys are missing shots and other teams getting rebounds and they're able to, to get out and run. But if you're making pretty much every single shot, you're not going to get any fast breaks. So I think uh, – I just think Villanova came out with a, with a set mind and a game plan and executed better. But, again, I was just very interested to see how Buddy would take this loss, how uh, the media would take this loss, um, how people would treat him on social media – you know, nowadays when you lose, you get the Jordan face immediately. You get the Jordan face no matter what. And I think I've seen a Syracuse Jordan face before I saw a Buddy Hill or Oklahoma Jordan face, which if you ask me is backwards because Syracuse shouldn't even be in the tournament. They're just happy to be in the Final Four and uh, playing a team like North Carolina. They should have they been in the NIT 
or just not in the tournament in general. So for them to make it that far and be in the situation that they were in, I don't think personally a Jordan face should have been something that somebody would do. But in this day and age, we pick on everybody no matter what. So, um, but Buddy, Buddy didn't seem to get. He didn't seem to get as much heat as I thought he would. Um, I know the analysts were very high on him, and uh, after the loss, it just kind of seemed like they were all kind of shell-shocked a little bit. But I, I, I must say I was I was happy not to see people so critical of uh, college kids in these situations because we, we really do beat them up. But then again, I think about it, and Buddy's a senior, so he, he can probably handle it. Um, he's not a freshman. Uh, it was like... Um, um, uh, ben Simmons, if it was somebody like that, I was kind of feel uncomfortable bashing like a 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, but when you're about 24, 25, it's like, you know what, you're taking that next step uh, in your career anyway, uh, in Buddy's case, so you've got to be open to the criticism. And, and he didn't shy away from uh, responsibility. Um, he shook hands with, with people who didn't whisper anything in anybody's ear about winning with class or or having more class, but um, I thought he handled the situation well. It's definitely a, a learning uh, moment for him, and I know some people who probably don't do a lot of sports can't comprehend that taking a loss like that, you can learn from it as a player, but he's still young. He's got plenty of time to develop his game as he goes on to the next level. Uh, what I will say is, if you think about it, there are two things that could have possibly come from this situation with uh, how bad Oklahoma got lost. I mean, how bad Oklahoma got beat. Uh, the first thing is, with the loss, you get to see Buddy's character. So with that in mind, I think he would fit perfectly with perennial losers like the 76ers because clearly he wasn't uncomfortable with taking a loss that bad. And given that he might get drafted in, like, the lottery, lottery slots, he's probably going to end up with 76ers or somebody equally as bad, <laughs> Lakers. Um but uh, I'm not 100% sure, you know, with these NBA drafts. But either way, I would keep an eye on this, on that, you know. They talk about character issues and stuff all the time in professional sports now. I think Buddy handled himself very well. Um, the next thing I, I thought about, which actually might be a little off in left field, you think about it, with the way Buddy played, he played so bad, he might get lucky enough that people will look at that small sample size and think that this might be who he is as a player. You know, he gets in big situations and he doesn't come through. Um, he gets uncomfortable um, when people put a lot of pressure on him as far as defenses and stuff. Maybe he's one-dimensional, et cetera, et cetera. It might raise enough questions that he might fall and get lucky enough to get picked up by somebody that's a contender, and then he won't have to worry about getting whipped like that all the time. Uh, something to look into. Again, I think me personally, I like Buddy. I think he's uh, he's definitely one of the best scorers and shooters I've seen uh, come through college in a long time, and I think that alone should draw enough interest from NBA teams that uh, he shouldn't he shouldn't fall too low in the draft. But again, this is my first radio with uh, looking at uh, college prospects uh, thoroughly. Um, you know, going through the NBA draft process uh, with more than just a casual fan's interest. So I'm going to look more into it, and I'll probably talk more about it um, as the year progresses. Um, 
given that there's not many top-tier prospects coming out, just a lot of potential. And I think that's pretty much what you get uh, with a lot of these NBA drafts is just everybody's banking on this potential. Like Ben Simmons has got a roof of, I don't know, some people are like, oh, he could be he could be just as good as LeBron James. I don't see that, but I'm just saying this is what some people say. So, you know, you look at that ceiling, and then you look at the floor, and then you just pray that it falls somewhere in between, or if you're lucky and you hit the jackpot, you might get that uh, ceiling and, and then more. So um, rolling into, oh, whoops, I almost skipped over the Syracuse-North Carolina game. I have a confession. I am a North Carolina fan. That is not my confession. My confession is that prior to Syracuse even getting to the Final Four, I took a ridiculous bet on them um, that they would make it to the national championship and potentially win. It was just one of those, like, 200-to-1-odd type things that you do and you just put a little bit of money on it. But either way, they almost got there, and it kind of put me in a predicament because I wanted my team to win but I also wouldn't mind the extra money. So um, I had another UNC fan call me out on it, and uh, all I got to say is I don't care. (laughs) And I just wanted him to hear that if he's listening or if he does listen. I don't care because I made that bet prior to, so I'm not Pete Rosing my uh, squad. I would never bet against my squad uh, in a situation of that caliber. But I'm saying if if you're not a good team, and Vegas wants to overrate you, but I like you or not, I'm, I'm going to go with the smart bet. So either way, just wanted to put that out there, give, give myself a disclaimer before I get uh, slammed on uh, IBS because I know it's going to come up in the next week. Um, rolling into the NBA. Don't know if you guys got a chance to see the thread of the week. <laughs> um, I think it was raised by uh, a member Hurt, I think, not 100% sure, but either way, our buddy Scottie Pippen was asking questions about the Warriors, and Scottie said, loosely quoted, that the Bulls will sweep the Warriors, and he thinks he can hold Steph under 20 points. I think he said, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't guarantee it, but either way, something was thrown out there about Steph and 20 points in, in a sweep. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, I mean, my first reaction was just, what? you know, that's exactly how I felt. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it one more time. What? Why do we constantly try to different errors against one another? We do this in the NFL. We do this in the NBA. Luckily for me, uh, baseball is not popular enough that people talk about it in that light. So I never have to have these conversations really with uh, baseball in mind. But there's just so many rule changes to the games of NFL and NBA that it's it's almost virtually impossible to be able to argue that a team from the 60s could be the team from the 80s or the team from the 80s could be the team from today. It's It's just different. And I know some people break it down from an athletic standpoint, athletes today are better than athletes back then. But in the same breath, I personally think that guys are more fundamentally sound back then than the athletes of today. And then look at a team like the Spurs, 
who are not necessarily the most athletic, but they've had so much success just by sticking to the fundamentals and playing team defense and moving the ball around, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just makes me think that there would have been a possibility if a team had halfway decent athletes and could adjust to today's game um, that they, they could potentially beat, you know, the better teams of today. But in this case, we're talking about the potential 73-win Warriors uh, against the 72-win Bulls. And people have been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Let me just say this. In no era would Michael Jordan be stopped. In no era would Steph Curry be stopped. I mean, when I say stopped, I'm talking less than 25. Less than 25. For, for Scotty to even say that he thinks he can hold Curry to 20 is just ridiculous. I know Scotty. Scotty was a great defender. Uh, Scotty was a lot of things, but Scotty never guarded anybody that was shooting 37, 38 feet from out. You know, like Steph's range is so stupid, and he's such a good shooter. He's such a pure shooter. He's just, it's just hard to imagine anybody could hold this man under 20 unless he doesn't shoot the ball. Now, he's had some bad games. Uh, I mean, we, we saw him get rattled by, um, by uh, <laughs> I was going to call him, uh, D-League Delhi, um, but we seen that last year. We saw this year. We saw the Spurs playing well, but I'm thinking, I'm assuming he's talking 20 per game for four games. Like, Scotty, chill, chill. It's not possible, man. No, no. Unless Curry's playing hurt, no. I watched a, a recap of Jeff Hornacek giving the Bulls bucket. Jeff Hornacek giving the Bulls bucket. I know Dan Marley gave the Bulls buckets. Like, we know Reggie Miller gave the Bulls buckets. We know plenty of people have given the Bulls, Bulls buckets. I love the Bulls. I love the Michael Jordan Bulls. All right, I, put that, I love the Michael Jordan Bulls. I grew up during that era. Michael Jordan is a, is a demigod. And he, he is the best of the best of the best. But I am sick and tired of people trying to put these different eras against one another. I had this argument about people who always try to bring LeBron in the same conversation as Jordan. Let these people be great. It's dominated by a player or a team. And the rules are in favor of said player or team. They're different than the era before. That's just how it is. There's nothing you can do about it. So don't get mad at it. Just embrace it. This is the, these are the rules that we play under now. Hand checking is not allowed. Okay. So what? Like, why are you upset about it? Like... <laughs> It's not, it's not the player's fault that they dominate in the area that they're playing in. It's not LeBron James' fault that he wasn't around when Jordan was around. You could say the same thing about Kobe. Like, it's not Kobe's fault that he came in at the tail end of Michael Jordan's career. Like, you know, these guys can't help that. So let them be great in their area. I think you should judge people based on the competition that they play currently. Okay? If the competition isn't of par to what you think it is, there's nothing that the athlete can do about it. Uh, boxing, for example. The Klitschko brothers dominated heavyweight division. I know heavyweight boxing is nothing like it used to be. But with that said, it's not their fault that these other guys are bummed. You beat them the way you're supposed to beat them. So if they go 55-2 and two or 55-3 and three or something, I, I feel like you should still respect the fact that that's great. LeBron James has an easy route to the uh, the NBA Finals through the East, okay? 
He's played some good teams, but he kind of caught them at the tail end. Either way you go about it, the man's consistency to get there should be respected. Steph Curry is killing it. He's doing things offensively that's never been done in the NBA from a scoring standpoint. The guy is shooting at such a high percentage that, honestly, your best bet might be to leave him open and hope he misses. Matter of fact, he missed the shot against the Celtics the other night. He was wide open. But if you put a hand in his face, somehow, some way, he makes it. So it's one of those things where you just have to respect. You just have to recognize greatness first. And then once you recognize that greatness, respect it. Just let it be. I don't understand why people feel the necessity to tear it down. But um, my theory is is that we all grow up in the air, and we we pick our we pick our our idols and our, and our heroes, and no matter what happens, you never want to see your hero tore down. Matter of fact, we can put it this way: every kid grows up, every kid with a father grows up, loves their father, worships every the ground that they walk on. You know, you want to be like your dad. Your dad is the strongest person in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't ever want to think that your father could not be the best or not be number one. It's the same with some of these athletes. Like, you never want to think somebody's going to come along one day and be better than Jordan. But I can guarantee you the people who grew up with Wilt Chamberlain, who grew up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who grew up with, with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird felt the same way about Jordan when he came along and probably hated on him the same way that we hate on some of these kids today. But there was no social media, so it's hard to really interact with everybody on a large scale, but each era has their greats. Let them be great in their era. Let it go. Um, Oscar Robertson was quoted as saying that he thought Buddy Hill was better than uh, a better ball player than Steph Curry. I think I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> like I told uh, one of the guys in the group, let these old dudes be old. I think it's a rite of passage when you get these old heads talking about young guys and they say stupid things like that. And and I'm sorry. If you're an Oscar Robertson fan, I'm not judging him uh, based on what he's done on the court or off the court, honestly. I'm just going to judge him on this one comment, and it was stupid. Like, Buddy Hill is not better or a better ball player than Steph Curry right now. It's just ridiculous. It's like apples and apple-flavored candy. You just can't compare it. All right, so let it go. Um, do the Warriors break the record? They got their 69th win tonight. I think they got two games with the Spurs, two games with the Grizzlies, and a game with the Timberwolves left. I, I don't see how they don't necessarily break it. I thought tonight was the um, deciding factor just because um, if they, they beat the Trailblazers, I didn't expect the Trailblazers to win it at home. Uh, or went on the road against the Warriors, but you never know. I didn't expect the Celtics to win either, but it happened, so you never know. Um, but the fact they got that 69th win, I think they got I think they got two or three more home games left, and uh, one of the road games is against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are, I mean, they're, they're just not the same squad that they used to be uh, with uh, Healthy Zebo and uh, Marcus Hall and Conley. They're a little banged up, but I think there's somehow, some way they're going to make the playoffs, which is interesting. But I think they get two wins there. Um, that would put them at 71. I don't, I don't have a problem with uh, saying that they're going to beat the Timberwolves. 
Uh, that will put them at 72, which will be really interesting to see how Popovich plays. Now, I don't think Pop's going to go. I'm with uh, one of the guys in the group. I don't think Pop's going to go into Golden State knowing that this could potentially be the 73rd win and just let him have it. You know, Pop's a competitor. I know some people are like, well, you know, he's got to rest his guys for the playoffs and this and that. Dude, they've been resting for the last two weeks, honestly. Like, Leonard, uh, Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, guys that haven't played but, like, a game a week for the last, like, two or three weeks. Matter of fact, I think Aldridge and Leonard did paper, rock, scissors in the Memphis game to see who would actually play. Because they don't need to. They don't. They don't need a full squad out there to, to beat any of the teams left on their roster, uh, left on their uh, schedule, except for the Warriors. And they've got two games against the Warriors. And I can guarantee you that going into uh, Oracle and, and beating them is a top priority just for the psychological factor because you're potentially going to be in Oracle to play them uh, at least four games down the line. And with Pop and the way that the Spurs carry themselves, they're, they're a team that thinks about the playoffs, even during the regular season. They're, they're focused on actual winning a championship. They're not just they're not, they don't care about regular season games. But this particular regular season game has playoff implications from a mental aspect. So I think Pop and them are going to take it seriously. And if they do, it's going to be interesting to see. And they would make a great story that in order for the uh, Warriors to get to their 73rd win, they might potentially have to win a game in San Antonio. Who knows? Um, but we'll see how that plays out. But, again, I respect the Warriors, man. I respect all these teams and players of these different eras and their greatness. And it took me a while to get there. I used to hate on LeBron. I hated on Kobe a little bit. Um, like I said, I, I love Michael Jordan. So it took me a while to, to take a step back and, and just respect, you know, the players of today for what they do in their particular era. But uh, maybe one day everybody will get there and then we'll stop having these redundant arguments about Jordan and LeBron or the 72 Bulls against the 73-win Warriors and stuff like that because it's just impossible, virtually impossible. To, to even come to a conclusion because the, the rules are so much different and, and it's just crazy. The way the game is played is so much different. Scores back when Jordan and them played were like 92 to, to 86 or something like that. You you would freak out. That's a high-scoring game back then. If I see 92 to 86 now, I'm trying to figure out who didn't play. Nobody scores that least amount of points like that. It's terrible. Like, uh, games are so much fast-paced now and not necessarily that the quality of basketball is better, but I'm just saying from a um, from a game speed and just athletes and X's and O's is totally different than the mid-90s. So I'm sure people continue to debate that in barbershops and stuff, but I'll just give you my take on it. Um, rolling into my next topic, which might surprise some people, but I feel like we have to give Women's sports, a little bit more uh, limelight because it's been coming up a lot. Uh, in the last week or so, uh, we had remarks by um, Djokovic about the state of women's tennis. Um, I think as recently as this week, um, WNBA star Della Don had uh, a suggestion that maybe they should lower the rims uh, for women's basketball 
which I think um, another WNBA great, Tarasi, uh, more or less said that was a stupid idea. And then um, <clears throat> Candace Parker, another WNBA star, responded by uh, dunking a ball or something on a 10-foot rim. Let me just say this. I love Candace Parker. No, I'm not. It's, it's a sensitive situation when you talk about women's sports, when you um, when you criticize women's sports. Uh, I don't want to come off as a chauvinist, but it's not it's not attractive. It's not an attractive game. I think women's sports in in um in all levels should look to to make it more appealing to fans because quite honestly, a lot of people who watch WNBA, a lot of people who watch women's basketball, uh, women women's soccer we watch because they're they're beasts, but we don't watch it or pay attention until the World Cup happens. Uh, it's just it's just one of those things where if you don't really have a personal interest, if you didn't play women's basketball or if you don't have family that plays basketball like the female, not really watching. I mean, you might be like me and, and put some money on it because the lines don't change, but realistically, nobody's really tuning in to watch it. And I know I get that a lot when people talk about baseball. Um, you know, like, well, nobody's really watching it. And, and that's partially true, but people go to the games, and, and I can tell you this, nobody's, nobody's holding baseball afloat by, by uh, siphoning them money, you know. Maybe, maybe the minor league system a little bit, but, um, like, with WNBA, like, if the NBA just stopped, you know, paying them or, or lending them money, the, the league might fold. I mean, we don't even have... We can't even keep WNBA stars in America to play in the WNBA. We've got teams in Russia paying our women more to to stay away from the WNBA than than the WNBA is paying them to be there, and they're legitimate stars. So um, something needs to change. Now, I'm not sure if lowering the rims is going to make it that much more spectacular, but it would make it more interesting. And um, I think one of the things that attracts people to – NBA or just men's basketball is the flash, you know, the quick drives, the the dunks, obviously, uh, the dribble moves, et cetera, et cetera. There are some females out there that have handles, lovely handles, that, that can dribble, cross people up, get through the lane and everything, but they don't finish like a guy, you know. It's like you go through three people, you hit them with a mean spin move, and then you get to the lane, and you're like, oh, it's wide open, and you get a layup. Not even a real layup. It's like like a jump shot kind of layup. I don't even know what to call that thing. A jump up or something. But either way, it it leaves more to be desired. Okay? And it kinda it kinda rubs them the wrong way when they try to sell the sex appeal aspect of, of female sports. Like, trust me, I love Serena Williams. I watch tennis. I mean they they're in those skirts and stuff. That's not really why I'm watching it, but when Serena comes out in a in a tennis skirt, you're going to notice, but it's not the same with, with uh, WNBA. Like, I'm not interested in Skylar Diggins in the dress or in heels. I, I want to see her play ball. That's what she's there for. She's a basketball player. Play ball. She's not playing ball in heels. You know, like, they, they I don't know. I think they just kind of took the wrong approach in some aspects to try to get people interested rather than focusing on the actual game itself to, to sell that to people. Because there are some good athletes in the WNBA. It's just, like I said, you're just not going to get the flash that you get in the NBA. 
So maybe lowering the goals might actually help. And I know there's always going to be the get off my lawns, whether they're male or female, they're in every sport. But um, I applaud those on for taking a, um, a stand that some people wouldn't necessarily agree with, especially given her position in the sport. She's probably, she might honestly be the best player um, in the WNBA right now. I know she was killing it last year. Um, and she's got, she got some, some high-level skill, too. But uh, she's got uh, the UConn coach is backing her as well, uh, our buddy Gino. I think he, he brought this up in 2012. He was suggesting that the rims be lowered to about seven foot uh, to account for the lack of athleticism or the, I guess that's the wrong way of saying it. Basically, it's common sense. Guys are going to jump higher, run faster, and, and do more things because they, they have more muscles and they're more developed uh, from an athletic standpoint than women. But he was suggesting that a 10-foot room for a guy is fine, but a 10-foot room for a woman is, is a tad bit unfair because you're using the same parameters that you judge a guy with for a woman, and it's just not, you're never going to get there. So he was suggesting that <clears throat> the rooms be lowered to about 7-foot, and that would be the same, like, measuring tool that we use for a guy. So a 10-foot room to a guy is like a 7-foot room to a woman is what he was suggesting. So... Um, I briefly read over that um, before I came on the air. And, I mean, I'm, that sounds like a great idea to me. I think they should do anything they can to to um, be more than just ambassadors of basketball, but to be ambassadors of their actual game. Because that's honestly what what is missing from the WNBA. Nobody really, you know the stars, but you don't know, you don't get an appreciation of the skills because it all looks the same. And it's just, like I said, it's not a lot of flash. So maybe maybe they'll come around and, and think of some things to uh, make it better. But in the meantime, uh, that's just going to be a hot topic uh, over the next probably two or three months. And they'll probably come back up uh, once the NBA Finals talk uh, dies down. But uh, <clears throat> rolling over into another um, woman's uh, sports issue. The uh, U.S. women's soccer team uh, filed a lawsuit for uh, wage discrimination against uh, <clears throat> sorry, I need some more. Against, I think FIFA, but uh, basically stating that they make they generate way more revenue than the men's soccer team, but they don't have anything to show for it when they travel or just in general in wages. So they uh, they're filing a, a lawsuit against them. <clears throat> I watch women's soccer during FIFA. I think we all pay attention during the FIFA World Cup. They are a very dominant team. Uh, if we're talking about sheer domination, they're probably one of the most dominant international teams ever assembled in U.S. sports, aside from, obviously, the dream team. But this, if you take into fact how popular soccer is in the world, um, some in some corners, probably in some very far, far away corners, people hold them in a higher regard than the Dream Team just because soccer is such a, a global event. So um, with that being said, and given the state of men's soccer, if they're getting, if they're generating more revenue than the men's soccer team, then common sense says that they should get paid more. But either way, um, this might get ugly. 
one of their uh, chief supporters, her name is Abby Wombat. Uh, you might recall um, she was probably made infamous for, a, I think she scored a header in one of the uh, big games in their first World Cup victory. Um, and then she uh, made some big plays in the second one, I believe. Again, please don't quote me on this, and I'm not trying to disrespect soccer. Like I said, I'm a casual observer. But either way, um, aside from the fact that she's gay, that's like what she's known for as well. She's a, a captain and I think a very good defender. But um, <laughs> I I had to laugh a little when she was arrested this past uh, week for a DUI in Oregon because um, there's been such a big fuss about women's soccer team uh, being paid uh, the same as the men or, you know, getting more money or, you know, just what they bring to, to the sport. And I jokingly said to myself, well, maybe they were talking about American football because if you factor in Hope Solo's case and, and uh, Abby's case, you you got the NFL. I mean, you got a domestic violence abuser, almost habitual uh, domestic violence uh, person, and then you've got somebody riding around drunk. So it seems like, you know, it's not obviously on the same scale as uh, the NFL, but it's not a good look when you're, when you're talking about um, wage discrimination and stuff like that, and you bring negative publicity uh, to the sport and to the team. But um, there's there's some interesting information out there if anybody's curious. A lot of these international teams and athletes don't really make as much money as you think they would given how much time they sacrifice away from their families and, and for the sport, for the country, uh, when you talk about the Olympics and stuff, uh, it's not it's not as glamorous as I think people want to believe. And a lot of the a lot of the premier athletes like LeBron James and stuff like that, they just kind of do their own thing uh, financially, just because the IOC and and uh, U.S. Uh, federations that that do the sports don't really have a lot of money um, to put into it and if you if you got prima donnas like NBA athletes and even our actual track team, they're really good and world renowned too. Uh, when we're talking about the hierarchy of, of who gets paid and who doesn't, I'm pretty sure the uh, women's soccer unfortunately gets the uh, the bad end of the stick here. So um, I am uh, getting semi distracted because the Mets and Royals are playing right now. I was opening day for baseball, and I got it going on behind me. I just had it on mute. It was uh, 4 nothing when I started the podcast, but it's now 4-3. Uh, the Royals are ahead of the Mets, and it's the run on first and third. David Wright was up. I want to say our buddy Davis just struck him out on a nasty fast. But um, what, a, what a great start to the baseball season, honestly, opening day. We had the Cardinals play the Pirates earlier today. That was a, that was a good game. Um, didn't go as well as Cardinals fans probably wanted, but Adam Wainwright returned. He's uh, the vet for that team and um, the anchor of their bullpen, and uh, not bullpen, but their starting rotation. And he got through the game without getting hurt. Uh, I think he just got a little rust. Because live pitching is, is totally different than and uh, soft toss and throwing off the mound and DP and spring chaining. You just can't really simulate a live game. So probably better that, you know, he got, got some of the rust off and, and did what he could and um, didn't get hurt. 
But the uh, Pirates are still, they're looking like they're ready to run this year and, and they want to compete. And they should be getting more consideration for maybe winning that division this year, but the Cubs are so nice on paper and everybody loves what, what you put on paper in baseball. So um, they're going to go under the radar a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the thick of things. But um, <clears throat> speaking of the Royals and Mets, it's just, I think it's just the perfect nightcap for uh, today because the, the the Grays and Blue Jays played in the afternoon game. That was a pretty entertaining game uh, with uh, some really good stars. Uh, Chris Archer got on the mound. Marcus Stroman got on the mound. And uh, they they both pitched pretty well. Um, Archer got in a little bit of trouble, but that Blue Jays lineup is really, really good. And uh, he's just he's just a filthy uh, slider. Or, man, like his, his out pitch is, like I said, it's probably one of the best. Uh, in, in the major leagues, I mean, you get a guy like that, and he gets in trouble in the in the first inning. He gives up two runs. He comes back for the next three to four innings, and he throws nothing but slotters, and he's striking guys out like legitimate uh, top tier hitters in our in our league because his stuff is just that good. They sit on it and they still can't hit it. <laughs> it's just that good. So, um, Davis is going against Cespedes right now. It's a one-two count with two outs left. Top of the ninth. So just throw him another fastball. He's actually giving him a little breaking ball on the outside. But um, Davis's game, man, I fully expect him to challenge him right here uh, with another fastball. Cespedes is, is a great hitter, but I mean, you're, you're defending your, your your title this year. I mean, they've got a lot of adrenaline. Nope, he threw him a breaking ball, and he tipped it. Not bad. Good location, too. Um, if you're listening live, go check that out, man. I know a lot of people don't like baseball, but you're, you're looking at two of the best in the game right now and what they do. Um, Cespedes is in clutch hitting and uh, Davis in just closing out games. So uh, definitely an interesting uh, matchup to look at. But I jumped over uh, base. I jumped over the boxing talk I was going to do just because this baseball game is so interesting. But I still got like 13 minutes, so. I'll just give you guys a play-by-play. Um, Davis is throwing his pitch again. It's 2-2. another breaking ball. Um, a lot of times, for the people who listen don't really watch baseball, um, they don't understand the game within the game. you got a, a hitter like Cespedes up there, um, really good fastball hitter. You try to throw him off with some breaking pitches. Uh, you got a guy on uh, first and third. Uh, it's really dangerous. To, to overthrow the breaking ball because if, if the ball gets by, the runner on third might score. I'm going to assume after two breaking balls, he's going to probably go uh, down in the way with a fastball and change his eye level. And yes, he did. Down in the way and struck him out. 94 miles an hour. So if you, um, you follow the game, you, you get a get a feel for stuff like that. And, and it makes it that much more interesting. Um, I think if I didn't understand the game of baseball, I wouldn't be interested and I know it's hard for a lot of people to get into it, but, I mean, there's nothing else going on this whole summer after June, after uh, after the NBA Finals are up. So I would definitely give baseball a try. And I'll do my best to promote, like, really good matchups and games that people should watch. Some people, they want, to, they want people to score more and stuff like that, the games to be faster. Realistically, baseball has done a lot in the last two years to try to address some of the things that uh, people complain about. So um, give it a, give it a try. Give it a look. Um, 
I converted uh, one one person in IBS already. He's a he's an avid watcher of of his game and for his particular team. Um, I'm more than happy to help anybody find a team uh, based on the things that they like about the game. Because uh, each team brings something unique. I like pitching, so that's why I stayed a Braves fan. We usually have good pitchers, but if I was a team hopper, I would probably jump on the um, jump on the Mets because they have really good pitchers as well. So, um, anybody want to inbox me or you see me talking about baseball on the, on the threads and stuff? By all means, ask me questions. I'll answer questions like. Uh, we got we got some uh, reluctant baseball heads in our group as well. Um, a couple of them know more than I do. And they just don't ever comment. But I'll tag them if I don't know anything. I'll find someone. Follow me. Throw it up. Promote your sport. Uh, going to my uh, second love. I'll close with this: is boxing. Uh, this Friday on April Fools. Ironically, Adrian Broner uh, fought. I don't even, I guess his name is like Theophane or something. Basically, he fought a sham of a fight. The guy was over 34, had 11 knockouts, no titles. Like, when you see things like that, you just instantly red flag. This is a this is not a good matchup. Broner's a four-time champion uh, in four different weight classes. He's got legitimate championship pedigree. He's been in some, he's been in the ring with uh, some really good fighters of his generation. Um, and he's fought a lot of bums, too. And this past Friday was a bum. But the um, the real treat of the fight was him, after the fight, calling out Floyd Mayweather. Uh, as a boxer fan, I'll tell you right now, Floyd Mayweather has been called out more times than anybody. Anybody. If we could go back from 2000 and, I'd say 2009 until present day, the most called out people, or the most names mentioned in boxing would be God, actually, sorry, would be Al Heyman, God, and then Floyd Mayweather. So at some point, you just got to, you just got to shake your head and just, just like, get a, get, get a life, man. Like, I understand, he's definitely a cash cow, and I know some people hate him, people who follow the sport hate him, people who don't follow the sport hate him, but if you could, you know, take the hate out of it for right now, understand that boxing is a business, and win or lose, you make money. You will never, ever make as much money uh, fighting anybody else as if when you fight Floyd Mayweather, just off of exposure alone. Unless you're Manny Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao has done real well uh, without fighting Floyd Mayweather. But I'll give you like a guy like Miguel Cotto. Miguel Cotto fought Floyd Mayweather, started his own promotional company. Got his own, got his own like uh, like boxing deal from uh, Jay Z. Like it, it literally put Miguel Cotto on the map, which is sad because Miguel Cotto was a great fighter uh, before he fought Floyd Mayweather. But it wasn't the Pacquiao loss that that propelled him. It was the Floyd Mayweather loss. The guy ended up getting a a three fight deal for like twenty five million dollars, and he legit went from a decent fighter to the A side in negotiations off of losing to Floyd Mayweather. Marcos Maidana, nobody probably even knows who he is unless you're an avid boxing fan, but he's the guy who beat Adrian Broner. He beat Adrian Broner, I think he got like a million dollars off of that win. He goes and fights Floyd Mayweather and loses twice to him and had enough money off of two losses to retire from the sport completely. Completely. He doesn't even box anymore. 
He's on a farm in Argentina living large just by being in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. So I, I understand in the grand scheme of things, that's the hustle that everybody wants. They want to get in the ring with Floyd because Floyd equals money. But in the same sense, it's a tired act. I'm just I'm sick of it. I'm, guys have been calling Floyd out from 175 pounds all the way down to like 140. At, at some point, you got to realize that the man's retired. He's retired. I know people are like, oh, he's going to come back. He wants to break the record. He's going to come back. Well, until he actually announces his comeback, let him stay retired. Like there's so there's so much potential in boxing outside of Floyd Mayweather. It's just gonna take time to develop. But nobody wants to take the time to develop it because they just wanna run and use his name to try to make a fight. So uh the Bruno thing, if if anybody's listening, please ignore it. The guy's a clown. Um, he's moving up to one forty seven. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he will not be he will not beat four out of the top ten fighters, and all four, fortunately, have belts, so he would have to fight them anyway. He wouldn't beat, he wouldn't beat any of them. I, I don't even think he could beat any of the top ten fighters except maybe one, and it would have to be a perfect match uh, to make, you know, for him to win. But uh, you got guys like Terrence Crawford, um, well-known in the African-American community, um, and uh, Errol Spence, like those young, those young boys, they're going to tear Broner apart when they fight him. So I think the whole calling out for things is just a, just a ruse to try to get money, try to get his name out there, get you one big payday, and then get the heck out of Dodge because he's not going to have a good career uh, financially because he talks a lot of trash and he can't back it up against good fighters. So when you talk a lot of smack and you don't back it up against good fighters, you're labeled a clown and, and nobody will watch you fight. So um, he's got charges. Uh, stemming from an incident in January as well. Uh, we'll see if he beats those. But if he does, if Floyd Mayweather is going to come back and he's going to fight one more time, I can guarantee you he's going to make it the biggest fight that he can possibly make. And that fight will be with Triple G. It will not be with Adrian Broner. There's nobody outside of World Star uh, people and the casual fan who catches his antics on Instagram knows who he is. He's he's not he's not a big name, and he already fought a dud in, in Birdo to get to the 49th fight. Uh, everybody got all up in arms about that. There's just no way he would come back uh, for the change that he would make fighting um, Adrian Broner. And then he would have to deal with that clown. It's, it's not worth it. If Broner wants to catch an L, he can always go down to the gym, and they can spar and, and do it that way, but... Rather than waste a promotion on on his antics and stuff, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So, I expect him if he were to come back to fight Triple G, but uh, I don't anticipate it happening. I'm going to take him at his word that he's retired. Uh, I give it two years. Um, I think this is year one. The last time he quote unquote retired, um, it was a two year layoff. So we'll see. He was also a tad bit younger than he is now. So. That also plays a factor in it too. But um, his undercard was good. Uh, there's a couple of young guys on that card uh, that were surprising, um, and a couple knockouts too. So I like to I like to see if he can uh, develop some of that talent. And, and to be honest, if he turns out to be a good promoter, which he's got the name, he's got Floyd Mayweather, he's got the Mayweather name, it's always going to attract people's attention. But if he develops into a good promoter, then he won't need to fight anymore. And, and that's honestly where the the 
level, the top level of money he's made is, is promoting, you know, and I think he got that blueprint from Oscar, uh, who started Golden Boy Promotions, so I think in the grand scheme of things, that's what he would like to be, and Oscar came back to fight to, uh, you know, develop his, his, uh, his company's name, or to get the promotional company's name out of there, uh, in the limelight, Floyd doesn't have to do that, he's already a big enough star, um, that he doesn't necessarily need to come back and fight under Mayweather Promotions banner to attract fighters or to get people to pay attention. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Mayweather is mainstream now. People know his name. So if, if it gets people talking about boxing, as long as it's not the Mayweather Pacquiao or Mayweather's been dunking this person nonsense again, then I got something wrong for it. So, um, But, yeah, I kind of rambled on a little bit about some of the uh, – um, lesser known sports, but that's kind of been my niche lately. I, I love baseball. I love boxing. Um, I don't mind NBA, NFL, and stuff like that, but everybody talks about that. So it's kind of, uh, kind of a saturated uh, um, topic. So anything that's interesting that I can, I can find, uh, right now I'm just drawing topics from threads that we have during the week or uh, anything I might find interesting that I don't see anybody else post. I'll uh, bring up on IBS After Dark. Again, I'm going to try to get you guys a couple more episodes during the week. I I did two in this last week, so um, I'm going to keep working on updating my sound bites. I'll get the show a little bit more entertaining. And then um, as we get further into the baseball season, I might get more uh, analytical about some of the stats and and tidbits I drop. And then also with the NFL draft, um, I'll try to get – try to get somebody on here to, to help you guys uh, with NFL draft analysis. Speaking of which, we do have a podcast with um, one of the guys. All right, 90 seconds off, sorry. So we do have a podcast with one of the guys from Pro Football Focus, which is a resource that's used often by our top echelon NFL talkers in our group. I think it's the main guy, um, and unfortunately, I don't have his name out in front of me, but by all means, Ronnie did a, a great RC report, and they they spoke on um, the NFL draft and some of the things that he thought was going to happen and who had potential. By all means, if you're interested in NFL talk, that's probably the first resource I would go to in our group. Um, check that out. Again, that's Pro Football Focus, and... Uh, the RC report. You can probably search either one of those or tag Ronnie and ask him uh, if he can pull it up, or you can just go to our website um, at iconicalfootballgossip.com. I'm assuming it's most definitely on there. So uh, give that a look. Uh, like I said, the draft's coming up. There'll be more things to talk about. Obviously, I'll keep talking about baseball. I'm going to kick my show off probably next weekend. Um, I think it was called the full count. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look. I keep changing the names on these things. Either way, that's a predominantly baseball show. Uh, we're going to pick up on some NBA action again when the playoffs start. So, again, this has been IBS at the Dark. That's what